Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Lady Chow Fung and Steve, and we're going to talk about the movie Flag of Iron. So uh, I'm just going to uh, hand it over to, to Lady Chow Fung to give the plot recap. Okay, so the plot of this story is there are two rival clans in this town, and one is good and one is evil. The good clan is the Iron Flag clan, and the evil clan is known as Eagle Hall. The Eagle Hall runs the immoral businesses of the town, but the Iron Flag clan would like to get rid of their illegal businesses. There are three top fighters in Iron Flag, the monkey, the leopard, and the tiger. And at Eagle Hall, there are two top fighters, and they are the Flying Eagle and the, oh, I can't remember his name right now. Is it Fierce Eagle? Was that the other guy? Fierce Eagle, that's it. So um, Monkey and Leopard go into the Eagle Hall business and start trouble, and Eagle Hall's not too thrilled about it. So they go back to their own headquarters where they come up with this plan. Actually, Tiger already has a plan in place to involve the white-robed Rambler to settle the score with Eagle Hall. Um, there's a battle that takes place at Eagle Hall, and both chiefs are killed from each clan. Um, they have to figure out who killed the Iron Flag clan's chief. No one knows exactly who did it, even though there is a small spearhead protruding through his stomach. Eventually, the police come and Leopard is sent away to take the fall for the whole crazy business. And as he is away, he is assaulted by 10 assassins and he makes his way back. He survives the assault. And they figure out who is the murderous person in the clan. And eventually there's a brother on brother on brother fight at the end. And uh, and um, so uh, so why don't we start with um, with with you, Dion, just because I know this is one of your favorite movies. So I'm just interested in like what 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 in particular about this film uh, is it that you like so much? What I like so much about the film is the murder mystery itself. I like that you didn't know exactly who was behind it from the very beginning, and it takes a while for everyone to figure out who exactly did the murder or who set up the murder. And there are subtle hints through the movie as you go, but you're not quite sure who did it. That's my favorite part of the movie. Okay. Yeah, I liked. I I I was a big fan of the various ways people were killed in this movie. Oh yeah, there were yeah, so yeah. many different types of, like there was a guy getting skewered by chopsticks. There was the guy getting riddled with the bamboo tips. The uh, the butcher guy, and and then a guy getting impaled with a with a with a f flag. <laughs> so there were there were just a, a lot of really over the top death scenes that I really liked in this one. Um, yeah, the deaths were really, really cool. They were very different and interesting. 
Yeah, that, that was probably one of the best visuals too. When the uh, the spear goes through the guy and then the flag unfurls, <laughs> it's it's all bloody. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was that was awesome because it just unfolds like that, and there's just yeah. you know Cheng Cheng is very good with 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 bloodshed and uh, oh yeah the um but also the the physicality which which I know you get into in, um in in your blog, but um uh the the whole uh. Just, I mean, the venoms are so great, uh, and I know this is this technically like a, a it, this isn't like it. It's not the full like venom mob, right? This is considered no, like a, it's not the full venoms, but it's considered a venom movie movie if it has at least three of the main venoms. In is it. is that the requirement? So it's got to have three of them, and then that it becomes a, a venom movie. Most That's... people consider at least three of them. It would be a Venom movie. Okay, so yeah, it felt like a Venom movie to me. Um, yes, and 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 again, like just the physicality of it, but um, but also I I think I don't know my uh, I liked the movie. I thought it was really great. Um, my favorite my favorite sequences in it were the um, the se- the assa- the ten assassins that you mentioned in the recap. Uh, yes. Where they, you know that I thought that extended sequence of them uh, fighting with the uh, assassins was just really well done, and I loved the and and I'm, I'm going to spoil a little bit here, so if people haven't seen it, they don't want to know what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, but uh, I liked the scene where uh, where they were leaving. I, I think his name was White Rambler, the guy that was um, White Rogue Rambler. Yep. Yeah. When they when they're leaving with White Rogue Rambler and the two the two guys that were originally with. Um, Oh, no, they weren't the Eagle Clan guys, but the two guys that were like loyal to um, Iron Leopard and and Iron Monkey, and trying to kind of like broker an honest an honest uh, meeting between them and the yeah. leader. That ambush in the uh, in, in like the streets, I thought was was really really cool too. Um, that was awesome. They yeah. have to live up to their word for that and yeah. die in front. <laughs> Yeah, I, I you know I was asking too. Um, do you know? I, I was a little confused about who the two guys were that were up on the balcony. They were kind of wearing like striped shirts. It wasn't clear to me. I, I was a little lost at that. I didn't quite know who those guys were. Or, or do you know who that was? I believe they're also brothers, but not necessarily as deep in the clan as everyone else because their outfits weren't necessarily the red and the black of the clan in the ranking. Yeah, they're kind of like white and black, right? Kind of almost right. like three. So, yeah, I was, <clears throat> I, I was just a little confused. I'm like, who are those guys? They look like they're doing something, <laughs> and then they just died. I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> I mean, sometimes too in these movies, like the costumes, it, it, it they're they're just like visual cues sometimes, or you know, like I don't know, was this based on a, a book? Do you know, or was it? Um... This wasn't based on a book, but it. Is it's a loose remake of the duel that was made in 1971 by um, David Chang and T Long and Cheng Che, the Iron Triangle. Mm-hmm. They did a very similar movie in 1971. Okay. That movie was more modern. It wasn't set set in ancient China like this one was. Okay, but the but there the plot line. I I haven't seen that movie, so um, is the plot line is the plot line fairly similar, but it's set in a modern age. Yes, it's very similar. It has a lot of the same things. The two clan houses. Um, the eldest brother um, of the good clan is the one who 
is the culprit. There's a rambler in that one. The rambler also falls in love with the prostitute. I mean, the storylines are very, very similar. Okay. But I think who, who, he took the... Do you, do you know who played the rambler in that one, out of curiosity? Uh, David Chang did. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. I was I, for some because I was I was saying that I could almost see like the the Rambler being played by um, Alexander Fushung, um, so I was just curious if if he happened to be in the in the first one. Um, Wasn't it? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We you know what we should probably do that one, uh, given that it's it's related to uh, the the flag of iron that we, sh- we maybe we should do that one in the future. Um, Cause I, I did notice they have it up on prime. So it's pretty easy to, uh, to, to view. Yeah, we should. That's a real good one. Um, but yeah, so, so I don't know. Um, I, I also noticed there was a scene, the scene where they had him wrapped in the, um, uh, I don't know, some kind of netting made out of leather or hide. Ow. What? Ow, like, yes. They said it was cow ligament. It was cow yes. ligament, and yes, it was like, was soaked. yeah, and it was soaked, and then like the sun would dry it, and it was it was tightening. It was almost like a crucifixion scene. That 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 whole sequence, like it was, it was a pretty extended, uh, you know, uh, like his like he 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 he, he almost died, um, and I won't give away exactly what happens to people, but, um, but I thought that was a pretty interesting moment in the movie too. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more visual uh, scenes in the movie where he is the savior of the clan, and so they're trying to take him out and kill him so that he can't take over and do what's right. And and I guess we should probably mention, too, that was um, uh, the character in that situation. He was Iron Leopard, right? That was Philip Kwok's yes. character? Yes. Yeah, I always like Philip Kwok in these movies. I uh, I think he's always like a great sort of uh, lead lead character. And his athleticism is awesome. I, I just wanted to add, like all through this movie, I thought he was like really. Yeah, he always is, but I thought in this movie in particular, he really got to show off his moves. But yeah, with his um, operatic training, he his specialty was the flips and the jumps. So he was able to do a lot of his work without wires. Oh, wow. I mean, and that's what's so, yeah, you can see it. I love that you can see, like, that the film, like, a lot of these movies, they'll they'll, they'll do, like, the, the cuts so that you don't know if it's necessarily the actor or a stunt person. Right. And you always know it's him because they just, they can just track him for as long as they want to. And he's, like, flipping in the air. And I'm actually, I'm watching a scene right now because I got it playing in the background. And he's, he, like, first thing I see is Philip Kwok doing the flips. So... But yeah, I, I I think it's definitely one of the. I mean, the, just for the action choreography alone, I think you know the you know a film like this is worth seeing. Um, yes, and the three of them knew each other so well because of their training and hanging out so much and doing the films before that they were actually stars, like the Brave Archer series, where they worked so much together that they were able to do so much and choreograph each other. In the movies, and and, and they when, choreographed this one, right? They were the yes, um, they did. The three of them did. Yeah, the Brave and Archer so, was good too. That was a really good series. Um, yeah, I love the Brave Archer series. Well, the first three, anyway. 
Uh, you're not a fan of uh, Brave Archer and his mate and uh, no. his little dra- dragon maiden? Was that the, was no, that the next No, I'm one? not a fan of those. Now, is it the storyline or is it just the fact that they changed a lot of the... They changed everything up and... I think it's the storyline. I believe in Brave Archer 3, it wraps up everything pretty neatly. But then once they got to Brave Archer and his mate and then the little dragon maiden, it kind of got a little too extended. Like, yeah, I really didn't need to know all that. Okay. (laughs) Now let's see what happens to them when they have babies. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I, the thing I liked about brave archer too, is the opening sequence is so like, so well, like that's like, like that's like the, like, I love how Cheng Che can just be epic and dramatic like that in his opening sequences Mm -hmm. and get you like, wow, like I really want to see what's going to happen. Um, which they do a bit in this movie too. The, the whole thing with the, um, I I don't remember exactly what they were doing, but there's some kind of choreographed sequence with the, the flags at the beginning, the pageantry of the flag sets it all up for me. Anyway, it pulls me in. You want to know how these flags are going to be used as a weapon and, what exactly are they going to do with these things? I mean, they look so heavy, but the men wield them like they're pretty much nothing. They're so easily swirling them around. But that sequence where they're jumping over each other's flags and ducking each other, and it just gives you the sense that there's a lot of acrobatics to come in this movie, which obviously there are. Yeah, and, and I think too. I guess on the flag, the the way that they did use it as a weapon was kind of interesting because they I, they were using it not just to like as like a spear, but also using the flag to distract their opponents. It looked like so there right. was there, you know there was like tactical stuff going on with the flags where they. I mean, obviously they were chosen because they they look nice on film, but there was also right. a kind of you know well, what would a flag do? And there I think there were a bunch of what there was. So there were the flags, but then there was also the abacus guy. Who had the uh, he had the abacus that he like he right. flipped the top off and he threw the the beads at you and they would like stick into your flesh and then the and then the frame of the abacus became like like nunchucks or something. It was yeah, that was pretty cool. I liked all the assassin weapons, um, especially the man and his three kids at the last the last set of assassins that he um, that Iron Leopard faced their weapons click together, trapping him inside of the little square that they made. So, you know, he had to fight in such a tight space and he would flip out, but would go back in. So that was pretty cool. Well, I think one of the things I like about Cheng Che as a director is when he, he gets really inventive with the weapons, like all the way oh. back to like one-armed swordsman, you see him with like the sword that like hooks the other guy's swords and in this, there was a lot of that kind of clever thinking with the weaponry. So, but the those, those three were those were those his children? The two the two the two guys that were under him were they his sons or were they uh, his his disciples? I think that they were just his disciples, and in name only, because in the poem it calls them the three men, the man and his three naughty children, or something like that. <laughs> That's the other. The, so the poem I, I really the liked. Poem. I liked how they did the poem. And then, like the like, there's some line in there where they're like, you know, so beware the fortune teller, and then the butcher, and then he goes to get the meat, and the fortune teller shows up, 
and he fights the exactly. fortune teller. Exactly, and they came yeah. in order or sequence of the whole poem. Well, they met the silver spear first, but he's the second line of the poem. Then they met the um, iron axe. But then after that, he met the blind man, the butcher, and he oh. met the iron abacus and the naughty kid and then the man and his three kids. So the first two were out of order, but the rest of them all fell in line. Okay. And yeah, the the, the naughty kid guy was a pretty interesting character as oh, well. Oh, he was funny. I thought he was hysterical. He played that one very well. Yeah, that was... Yeah, a weapon too. What was that? Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought of all the weapons, like his kind of, well, I guess the abacus thing too, if that works. But I, but I thought his was kind of like neat. He's like, yeah, check it out. It's like this small sword, and then it's uh, like extended. And <laughs> yeah, like, that was pretty cool. Well, and I like how he comes came in, and he was all like over the top. And then the then the other yeah. three guys, after he dies, they're like, well, he overacted. So that's what, you know, like, like don't overact <laughs> if you're an assassin. And, <laughs> and, and it was kind of cool because they had been so low key, you didn't realize, oh, these are really, these are like the three other assassins. And uh, and like you said, like when they when they reveal themselves, they you know, they it's a very subtle transformation. But like the lead guy who's masquerading as the innkeeper, he just pulls a pin out of his hair and like shakes Uh off his outer coat. And he's like suddenly like this super deadly assassin guy. And um, so there were just like all these little flourishes like that, that like look super easy. But I'm sure they're really hard to pull off in a movie like this. Yeah. Cheng Che was really excellent at storytelling. He knew how to get the story well told through the visual. I mean, those little nuances of each character made it so interesting and fun, I thought. No, that's true. And it's easy to overlook because it does seem like an easy enough thing. Like, oh, they just put a costume on him. But like, it's the it's just like when you see that guy, like just that subtle transformation and you instantly know what's going on. It's, uh, you know, I thought it was very impactful. Um, but yeah, I think that, that in sequence, I think that's probably my favorite part of the movie, that scene in the end where they're fighting, and it goes on for a little while, but the, where they're fighting all the different assassins. Um, and again, all the different weapons. I mean, there were, uh, there were a ton of weapons in this movie, aside from the ones that I already mentioned. There were, I know that there were, um, uh, there were the flags and, and the, um, uh, you know, all the ones that I, I, I just brought up, but at the end, it was just like a, a nice sort of uh, combination of, of like what what are the ones that uh, White Robe Rambler uh, he I forget what their uh, what his weapons were called but he had like these little short spears that he used that's what they were they were short silver spears okay that, yeah they're kind of like javelins yeah well, they are yeah kind of like but they could shoot out their tips and stuff I don't know yeah kind of interesting. Well, and that's that's another example of like the inventive like you have the 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 short spears that shoot out the tips, but then there's also like that third feature that he's been keeping secret from everybody, and then he only shows right. it to that one guy, and so that's you know it's those kind of things that I like in these movies where it's like this guy's been holding the secret back forever, like nobody knows that he can do this, and then he's gonna like he's gonna trick everybody at the last minute in a <laughs> in a desperate moment. You know, I, I thought it was interesting, too. Are, are the Ten Assassins supposed to be, like, a sect or something? I was a little confused on that. Like, what's their tie-in to each other? Oh, like, are they connected to each I thought I, I assumed that they were a connected group, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm yeah, wrong on that. I thought that's the sense of the poem, but it wasn't clear to me exactly what their connection was. I don't think that was ever really clear. I just think that they were hired assassins that probably just 
had this poem written about them and could have been anybody because no one really knew what they looked like. And so probably there were another movie, those same 10 assassins could have popped up and be 10 different people. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <clears throat> but you'd have to stick to that theme, right? They're like, all right, we'll let you in, but you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be the butcher and be the butcher you, have and, be, <laughs> you have to be the naughty one. Yeah. And, the right, the gotta, butcher was well, a lot of fun too. The, the butcher was, you know, he, he he just didn't look like the other assassins, and then when he when he uh you know and he and he had kind of an attitude about him, and then he right. just most cavalier of of all of them too. He's like he's like yeah so what oh uh, yeah so I'm a little heavy and I yeah I kill people. Yeah, What's this is my part time job. Usually I kill pigs and other animals, but today I'm killing people. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the other thing that you know they 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 have lives beyond what they're doing in these movies. I was kind of wonder. I was trying to imagine. Chow Fung's day timer, like all the, you know, all the all the little things that he's got to do um, to to mastermind this plot. Now, I mean, obviously, you took your um took your name from that character, right? So yes, that's a so this is like a favorite character of yours, I assume. Yes, he's my favorite character. He's my favorite character because I like to call him the chess master. As he lays out his plans, he maneuvers his pawns or the people that are in his way or that he's surrounded with in order to get what he wants. And in the one scene when he's talking to Mr. Who, he says that um, Gao and Chen can't move, can't move backwards. They only can go forwards. And in chess, the pawns can only go forward. So he's using those people like they're chess pieces. And he sets up each motion for the players and he knows that certain people are going to die and he knows how they're going to die. And he's always two, three steps ahead of everybody else. Okay. I missed that bit about the chess maneuver there. That's, that's pretty interesting. But, um, but you've seen this a lot. I assume this has been a movie. Um, Yes. I have (laughs) seen this once a week, probably for the past six months. Yeah, and I, and I did like, I mean, I always like the sort of hypocritical villains in these movies, and he's kind of got that thing going where he's, uh, you know, he just immediately turns the sect into, like, everything that it was not supposed to be about and uh, is uh, is just a, you know, complete liar. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I don't yeah, there, know. There are clues to, to him doing that, I think. Um, in... We had talked about earlier the costuming. Mm-hmm. I think costuming plays a really important role in this movie. Um, in the Iron Flag Clan, there seems to be like five different ranks. There's the chief, of course, um, Chief T, who we find out at the beginning is older and he's wearing the full outfit. He's all covered up. He has the high collar and his cape is long and he's the chief and he's in charge of everything. Then when you look at um, Chao Feng, he's the chief in training. He has this long cape again. His, His attire is somewhat similar to the chief's in that he has long tails on his shirt that go down to the floor. But he also has a bare chest, which also signifies that he's um, the fighter in the group. He's the, their top fighter. And then the Iron Leopard and the Iron Monkey, they have a short-waisted top. They don't have the tails. So you know that they're fighters, but 
they're not quite quite as high as the chief and Chao Feng are. And then you have the four junior fighters, I call them, the flag wheelers. They're, their clothes are made of a different material, and they're short-waisted also, but they're also um, bare-chested, and their, I call them uniforms, are red with black stripes. And then the final or the lowest-ranking ones are the henchmen, and they're bare-chested too, so you know that they can fight, but they're not doing very much in the film, so you really don't get to know those those characters. But um, Chao Feng's dress changes as the movie goes on. I noticed with, by the end he's got like that mesh on his arms. Like he definitely. Right. Like that's when I, I noticed the wardrobe change. I think I also well, noticed at one point I think he might not something. He might have had a different chest thing going on too, but I didn't pick up yeah. as much. About in about the fifty ninth minute of the movie, his um, chest becomes covered and he has an embroidered. Um, band across the top and across the bottom of his shirt. Um, he's all covered up, so he's being demanding respect from the others. And in Chinese culture, embroidery was expensive, so you know that he's top dog, and only the rich would have the embroidery. Okay. And um, so when he goes, continues to fight, when he um, comes up with. Um, Chen and Gao in the one scene that you were talking about with the ligaments, that's when he changes back into the bare chested again, but the sleeves are mesh and um, or netting material. And then he's still the chief and demands respect, but he's also a fighter and his plot is kind of unraveling, but he's going to still fight to the end and take anybody out who stands in his way. And then it goes back. At about an hour and 26 minutes in where he's talking with his men that are still loyal to the leopard and monkey. And he's back in the respectable attire. And then for the last fight scene where it's all exposed and everything's out there, then he goes back to what I call the deadly chief attire where he has the netted sleeves and the bare chest and he's just ready to fight to make sure that he can keep what he has. That is a level of detail that I would have never picked up on in this movie. Yeah. That is that that's now I'm going to, I'm going to have to watch for that next time because okay. uh, that's, did you, have you written about that or is that, uh, is that, uh, no, I'm going to write about that when I get to that movie, but I, um, the costuming I think is very important because, um, also for Chen and Gal, their costumes also change because you can tell when they're Eagles, they wear the blue uniform with Chen wears the um the leopard print and they have the eagle feather in their hair. And those and are the, and those are the two guys that um were originally in the Eagle clan but shifted over to the right. the Iron Flat. Yep. Shifted over, right. Um then Gal, he wears this brown vest with white trimming. And so that's their eagle attire. But then once they become Iron Flag members, they still wear part of their um, eagle attire under or over top of their Iron Flag clan. Like Chen, he wears um, his red and black over top of his leopard print. And I think that, to me, signifies that he's willing to change. He's willing to bury the eagle inside and become Iron Flag. 
as you remember, he tells um, Leopard that, you know, he would side with him in order to stay alive. And then Gal, he wears his eagle attire over top of his black fl flag, his iron flag, black and red. And to me, that signified that um, he was definitely not going to change into an iron flag. So if they were to become respectful, he wouldn't be respectable. He would just continue to do his immoral activities. That's yeah, that that's definitely a level of detail that I wouldn't have picked up on um, with the costumes. That's um, but but I think I think you're right, because these costumes really are. I mean, like I'm looking at it right now and I'm and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to some of the changes and I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. Now, what did you think of um, the the white robe ramblers look? Because to me, he almost looks like a character out of another movie for some reason. And he just has like a strikingly different appearance than the rest of the crew. And so I was just curious what your thoughts were on on maybe his costume or his appearance. When I first saw the white robe rambler, honestly, I thought Elvis Presley. Yeah, that's exact. Yeah, I, I thought like Glenn Danzig, but basically the same thing. Like, yes, uh, like that kind of burns and the white kind of like jump jump suitish kind of attire. That's what I thought of right away. And then it seemed like after that movie, then. I'd, few of them started wearing the longer sideburns which was kind of weird but <laughs> yeah because his hair is different than all the other guys too it's like um i don't he just look yeah he looks like he should have a cigarette or something he's got that right kind of, exactly yeah and i guess it makes sense because he's like uh i mean his character is basically like a john like he i mean he, he hangs out at the brothel the whole time so exactly you know. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Is is a I I'm I'm watching the final scene again right here, and that the 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 flags are just spec. And and you wouldn't think it like the you you would like it's the kind of thing like if you describe it to somebody, it sounds almost a little bit ridiculous because it's a flag. But yeah. it it really looks super cool. And 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 you're and you're exactly right. They're able to move it so quickly, even though it's this massive flag with you know a huge stream of fabric. Um. But again, I think I would chalk that up to their athleticism. Um, and there's some more flips. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what was that? One part, oh, one part in that final fight that I liked was how um, Chao Fung ripped up the leopard's flag with his own. And then he went straight up in the air and then drove his tip of his flag down the middle of um, leopards and it tore the flag in half. Kind yeah, of. I, I just saw that. As soon as you said it, that's when it happened on my screen. Can, uh, signaling to me that that relationship between the two of them was forever fractured and you could never put it back together because it just completely unraveled. Yeah, that, that's a really good uh, final ending there. Um, I, and I, and I like the way that it's sort of staggered. Like you think there's going to be this big showdown, but then, uh, iron, iron leopard ends up getting captured and then they kind of have to regroup. And, and then again, there's that ambush scene before you get to the big battle. Something about that ambush scene I thought was really impactful. I don't, I don't quite know why, but it just seemed like a, like a, like, Oh, we, like we all might be about to die kind of a moment. And right. in these movies, you don't know who's going to make it to the end. Like with Cheng Che, 
the the hero could just as easily die as right. you know so so you really kind of the first time you see it you're on the edge of your seat but um but yeah and here we go yeah, I'm, I'm watching the final scene now with the uh, it's a pretty spectacular I, I don't want to ruin it for people but it's a pretty spectacular uh final final move yeah i was i was curious too i was going to mention before um when we were talking about the rambler I was just curious from your perspective. I know Brendan and I had spoken a little bit on it, but he actually came off to me as a, as a little bit effeminate. And I was just curious what your take, did, did that translate to, did you feel that way? Or did you feel like, you know, you got a different sense of it? Or, you know, I don't know if it was a cultural thing, but uh, to me it was just funny because he was supposed to be this, you know, really good assassin type guy. But here I, I thought he seemed a little like, I don't know, almost like delicate. Or There was something about him that was almost like fragile. It was, yeah, it was interesting for me. Um, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling at all from him. I just got a real slick kind of feeling that he was kind of in the background, but important, but I don't know. Slick is the only way that I could, he kind of had a secret. He didn't make eye, eye contact with anybody when the chief was killed in the beginning. And it was just like, something's going on with him kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, he definitely had that ladies' man vibe going. It was just something right. about it. it. Was there was a little bit of a disconnect for me there, just envisioning him as like a a strong combatant. But he definitely okay. had a cool move. You know what I mean? I think he it, like when the action scenes were happening, it, it it you know I felt it. But just looking at him, first, I was just like, oh, like, well, I, 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 I think maybe time. because he was supposed to be a ladies' man, maybe that was part of why you were picking up on that. Like, he, I think he's the kind of character that would rather be at the brothel than right than you know, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I I but I for me, what was striking about him was the look. And I think that the Elvis thing is what hits on it for me. That's sort mm -hmm. of the uh, um, kind of like an Elvis or James Dean type uh, type character, because um, he did. He almost he felt he felt like out of time to me. Like it just felt like the other characters are very firmly embedded in this period and something about him right. feels like, he oh, like, yeah, off. he needs a cigarette or or something. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Is it is a is a really good film. Um, and I, I now now I think we should definitely see the duel and, and talk about that because I like I I just did a um a thing on the Swordsman, which is a remake of um Death Duel, and and I always oh, yes, kind of like that. yeah I like I like doing that where you kind of like look at one and then look at the other and uh and so maybe talking about the duel. Um, who did you say was in the duel again? Did you say T Lung was in the duel? Yes, and David Sheng was also okay yeah i like t lung i'm always i'm always up for for a good t lung movie so um, and when that's was it? a really good one yeah when when did you say the original was made the original duel 1971 is when it was released okay and then this and then this one was from from when 1980 oh okay yeah, so this All is right. a much later like shaw brought i would they stopped making the wuxia films like in the mid 80s right like 1985 yeah, or something studio got, was down in 85 okay and then, and they got wacky towards the end. Some of them, some of them got really inventive. The uh, the the later Shaw Brothers movies. But, yes, um, definitely. Eighty three to eighty five was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I think it was Voyage of the Doom. Did you ever see that one? I didn't see that <laughs> no. one. Some of them get uh, some. It was funny because when they started doing that, some of them get so strange. It's like, whoa, this is this is this is out there. But sometimes they hit gold. Like I really liked um, Holy Flames, The Martial World. 
even though I've it was, never seen that one. I want to see that one. It's awesome. Well, I don't know if you'll like it because it's 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 very over the top. It does all kinds of crazy stuff, and and you kind of just have to either you either I think you either accept it or you just don't watch it. You just don't like it. Right. So uh, so not everybody might like it, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know how they do the reverse crank thing where they they speed up the sequences when people are like karate chopping or or kicking. Mm-hmm. The, the, in in this one, they kind of do that during. They'll do that during like a whole battle. So some of the battles end up having a sped up feel to them, right? Um, but it's done in like a really stylistic way. And Philip Clock, I think, was in it. Um, yeah, he was. Okay, yeah. So he, so so you know, there's a good reason to to see it. But but uh, but I I just thought it was it was um, I don't know, just one of the. Uh, it's just so over the top and I don't want to give anything away. Cause if I mention it, then you'll, you won't be surprised, but there's, uh, and I, I think it's still easy to get cause I think it's, um, available in like the dragon dynasty thing or, or one of those, one, one of those, um, DVD, uh, releases that's, that's st- you can still get it for like 12 bucks. But, um, but yeah, you know, maybe we should do that too. Maybe we should do the duel and then we can do Holy flame in the martial world. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. But uh, I can't wait to look at it. Um, I've heard good things about it. If you if you have trouble tracking it down, let me know, and I can I can send you my copy. Um, it's it's definitely. I don't think you'll have trouble because I think it's available. But sometimes, like, I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you'll buy a movie, and then like a year later, it's like, you know, you can't get it anymore. Yeah. So, um, so you kind of, you know, it's always a tricky thing. But uh, but I don't know. They've been doing pretty good with uh, like uh, Shaw Brothers has been releasing a lot of these again, um, at least in the streaming format. But a lot of times in the in you know putting them out in DVD and stuff. So. But um, but all right. So I think we've been we've been on for about forty minutes. So I'm going to end it there, and we'll uh, we'll be back on uh, hopefully talking about the duel. So. Um, okay. All right, and it was great having you on. I, again, uh, uh, we should mention your blog. Um, uh, so Lady Chow Fung has a blog called "Of Moonlit Blades and the Men Who Wield Them." I don't know if do you wanted to tell people really quickly what that what that is exactly. Um, it's a blog about Shaw Brothers movies that my friend Lady Jin and I adore, and we do a lot of character analysis and looking at films that we have fallen in love with. We're working on some mirror pieces right now. She's doing, um, I think it's the five Venoms and how it mirrors another movie. I can't remember what she said. And then I'm going to do the duel and how it um, is mirrored in the flag of iron. But it's just our different perspectives on the movies that we love and the men who made them. Okay, and I should say if if uh, the level of detail that's in this blog is very, it's like when 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 Lady Chuffing was talking about the the costumes, that's the kind of detail that's that 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 these blog entries have. So it's really thorough. Um, so I, I recommend it, and I'll I'll post a link to it below the podcast. If uh, if I happen to forget, just remind me because okay. I sometimes forget things. But I will put a link in the in the bottom. And uh, and so we'll we'll have um, we'll have Steve and Lady Chow Fung on again in the near future. And until then, we'll talk to you later.
God!